Hello, I'm Dr. Laura, and I'm delighted to be here today bringing you an episode called A Time to Lead, Mastering Yourself So You Can Master Your World with Craig Dowden. So Craig Dowden, I can't say enough nice things about. I got the honor of being introduced to Craig uh, last year, and we actually have a lot in common given our backgrounds um, and doctorates in psychology, our specialization around organizational psychology, the fact that we have both consulted to many organizations, we've both uh, been speakers and written, etc. So Craig is someone I really look up to as a real person who inspires me with what he does in the world. And I hope to, you know, one day do as much uh, as you have done bringing these important messages, Craig. So with that said, uh, Craig is an executive coach, an award-winning keynoter. His latest book, a Time to Lead, which you can see my little tabs in because I just loved reading this book. And I'll tell you why as we go along. But this uh, became a best-selling book in the Wall Street Journal and USA Today. So this is a huge achievement. And the book is written in such a practical and insightful way. And what Craig does really well is he bridges the gap between science and evidence and psychology with the actual behaviors and habits that leaders need in in this challenging world. So I'm going to pass the mic to you, Craig, to say a few more things about who you are. Well, thanks, Laura, and really appreciate the kind introduction. And yes, uh, definitely kindred spirits in multiple senses. (laughs) of the word and uh, in terms of our background, our passion for positive leadership. And I really appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation with with you today. And uh, for me, and and, and I love to open things up saying the only thing people need to know about me is I'm from Newfoundland originally. So shout out to the East Coast and and the Rock. Uh, And growing up, did my undergrad in psychology at Memorial. And I think for me, what's been a core passion of mine is I've always been fascinated by what makes people tick. So, you know, what gets people out of bed in the morning, how they view situations and people they interact with. And so that really started my passion for psychology, my interest in psychology. And then as I got into university and uh, and started studying more, then it got into, hey, well, people have personalities, organizations have personalities, if I study and play in that playground, I'm never going to be bored. And that's fundamentally it. And so I've dedicated my life, my career to understanding the science and practice of positive leadership teams and organizations and just love having the opportunity to have a conversation like this today with you, because I know it's a shared, a, a shared space. So Absolutely. And we also share being podcast hosts. So your podcast is called, podcast is called Do Good uh, to Lead Well. So I'm excited to, we'll share that in the show notes and tell us what you podcast about, Craig. Well, thank you. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, no, it's, it's, it's been a really wonderful journey. And I have the profound privilege of uh, speaking with and being connected with top CEOs, best-selling authors, TED speakers, global thought leaders. And so every week, uh, share one of those conversations, one-on-one conversations 
So to get their insight in terms of how they're leading their organizations, what their research is telling us, uh, what their books are saying about how we can be at our best and inspire the best in others. So it's just a lot of fun uh, to talk to these individuals and build that community and get that message out there just as you're doing uh, with your podcast, Laura. Yeah, wonderful. It's one of my favorite parts of my week is this type of conversation. So thank you. Now, a time to lead. Tell us what inspired you to write it and who you wrote it for. Who should get their hands on a time to lead? Well, uh, and thank you. It came in the earliest days of COVID uh, when with conversations that I was having with some coaching clients, speaking clients, chief executives, friends, family, people were asking, what are we going to do? How are we going to get through this? And then when you really unpack that question, it was really around, how am I going to get through this? What what do I need to do? And then, so the idea, the core organizing principle around the book is great leadership starts with great self-leadership. So it's all around the idea that how can we inspire and bring the best out of others if we're unclear about how to bring the best out of ourselves? And so that became the the, the foundational idea upon which I built the, the different chapters. And so then what I wanted to do is look at the latest and greatest research. And, and you talked about my passion for that at the beginning. And so then wanted to identify seven leadership qualities that research has shown us that are essential to success in our personal and professional lives and how we can go about mastering our mindset, our emotions, our resilience, our strengths, receiving feedback, navigating difficult conversations, and authentic leadership. And so really wanted to provide a roadmap in terms of why those strategies are important, what they are, and then how can we live them in our daily lives. Wonderful. And I love the number seven and how much breath you cover in those seven areas. Um, And it makes me think, to what extent is this applicable to people who want to move into leadership roles? So the the individual contributors. Well, thank you for that question. And and this book is really for everyone, Uh, even though the title is A Time to Lead. One of the best What I love about writing books is you get feedback from people and they share with you. And everybody is the CEO of our own lives. Like we are the CEO of our life, no matter what position we hold in any particular organization, whether or not we're in an organization. And so then what this book is about is that how can we best lead ourselves in whatever environment that we are? And so targeted towards aspiring executives and executives, and, and at the same time, anyone can, can read this book. And I have to say, one of the really coolest things that happened for, for us uh, in terms of the book was that it ended up number one in Amazon in self-help and motivational self-help. And for us, it was particularly rewarding because what it represented was is that it went beyond the leadership category. And so people saw how the messages really related to their own, to their own situations. I totally concur. I myself, having worked with a lot of leaders over my career, these concepts are concepts for any of us. And absolutely, leaders need to nail these concepts. The, the, the challenge is, you know, I see a lot of them having a lot of room to grow. Uh, we'll put it that way. <laughs> a lot of room to grow. Would you agree? 
Absolutely. And, and I think what's really important is, and I appreciate you, that you highlighted the being as well, Laura, around the behaviors. Because one of the things that I find is that when we have discussions, even about really engaging and thought-provoking topics, then it becomes, okay, how do I translate this into my personal and professional life? So that's been a question that I just love digging into and identifying evidence-based practice so that then there are tools, tips, techniques that after reading a particular chapter, I can go out and experiment with and try it on and see how it fits and what results that I get. And so that's a big, big driver for me is so that how can we apply the knowledge that we have uh, every single day? Wonderful. And what I also like about the book is that it is each chapter is not too long, right? So you can kind of get the gist of it fairly quickly. And then each chapter ends with what you call a masterclass. Um, and what I would actually add is um, some expertise from a world-class wise retired CEO um, who tells how he put it into action in the two companies he led. Two companies I don't think anyone has ever heard of, but you, you might want to share. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just happened to be the CEO of Ford Motor Company and Boeing Commercial Airplanes. Yeah, a couple of small local uh, startups. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some startups. And, uh, and, and it was one of the greatest uh, treasures of the whole process was having the opportunity to collaborate with Alan and to have in-depth conversations around positive leadership. And so when writing the book, when I went through the first book and, and published that, and, and in ongoing conversations, people would say, okay, well, these ideas are great, or they're interesting. We're a publicly traded company, or we're a global company, or we have a diverse market, and on and on and on. Okay, great. So then it, the, one of the goals, one of the primary goals in this book was, okay, how do I address that understandable criticism question, right, from audiences? And then so when I had the privilege to connect with Alan and start talking about leadership, uh, it was so fortuitous and we just hit it off, had great discussions. And then I asked him, hey, Alan, would you write these Master classes. Would you and I? We can talk about them and build these master classes, CEO master classes, at the end of each chapter. So for each of the qualities that are in the book, mindset, as an example, can you give some specific examples of how you embedded that within your working together management system, which is world renowned and led to the extraordinary turnarounds and success of two of the most globally recognized companies uh, ever. And so this was just a, a wonderful collaboration and opportunity to learn and share some insights in a different form. And as you say, experience and expertise that is truly exceptional. Absolutely. And I think the word masterclass might make some readers think, oh, I'm really getting it. Like that's going to be heavy and a lot, but it's not. It's very, very case study-ish or practical, applicable. And again, you know, less is more, I think sometimes. I think we're all inundated with so much information. You've done this in a beautiful bite-sized way of, of learning and, and digesting the content. So thank you. 
Well, and thank you. That's very kind. And, and well, Marshall Goldsmith, who, who we both know and, and respect uh, highly, and he's a world-renowned top executive coach in the world, and he's called Alan the best CEO that he's ever coached and worked with. And Marshall continually comments on, this is what I love, he says that the, the power of Alan Mulally is in the simplicity of the ideas and how they're implemented. And I think that's such an important, I love that observation, because a lot of times we have this mistaken assumption that complexity drives higher level results. And in many cases, and you you hinted at it as well in the setup, right, which is it's the simplicity, it's straightforward, it's practical, and there's immense power in that. So it's kind of state the, the, the critical content and then move on. And so that's really something that I admire about Alan and his approach to leadership. Absolutely. And I think as organizational psychology types, um, both with doctorates, we can overcomplicate the crap out of things if we want to. <laughs> with our jargon, our acronyms, our references, our citations. And that's not what is going to move the world forward to build stronger, better, more authentic leaders. You're absolutely right, Laura. And, and and what happens is is that then we can get lost in an esoteric discussion, something that's really just, so what is the point of this? And I think that's what's incredibly powerful is, is that when you really are looking at promoting positive and impactful change, it's about, it's the simplicity. It's our ability to connect with others and for them to be able to see the movie that's playing and to follow along. And so that's at the heart of engagement. And once again, Alan is, when I was thinking about who would be a great masterclass, CEO masterclass teacher, there's no one who is better suited than Alan uh, for that for that task. The world needs more Alans. So <laughs> with that said, what trends do you see in organizations that suggest that some of these seven qualities might be missing in the executive or in leaders in general in the organization? Well, I think you see a lot, I mean, the great resignation, quiet quitting, or as I've seen it described as well, calibrated contribution or calibrated contributing. So what this suggests is, is that people aren't fully engaged. Let's look at the research out of Gallup, which shows Employee engagement has been going down for quite some time, and it's really not doing well. And so what has happened with COVID is that these data points were troubling beforehand. And now when we had the ultimate pause button, if you will, in terms of our personal and professional lives, now people are stepping back and taking stock and going, okay, why am I here? And what do I get out of this situation? And so all of those indicators are really showing us that you know Houston we have a problem and then on top of that leadership is incredibly challenging and it's getting even more challenging by the day and i think before i had numerous conversations uh about this idea whereby if you weren't focused on a human centric or empathetic approach to leadership and now you're trying to kind of catch up on that at, at the pace at which we're moving these days, that's really difficult. And now people are seeking true connection, authentic relationships, 
And so that self-awareness piece is vital and how we connect with others is vital. So all of that together, you can see uh, the world we are in right now in so many different frames. Absolutely. And when you talk about the world we're in, in the book, you talk about VUCA, the VUCA concept. Can you tell our listeners more about what that's all about? And that's been around and, and kind of making the rounds and it gets more and more relevant and more and more intensified every single day. So VUCA stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So if you want a beautiful acronym to describe the world, our world is VUCA-fied and continues. It's almost on rocket fuel. That's what COVID did to our VUCA world. And so now, and, and to me, two of those letters are particularly important, the uncertainty and ambiguity. Because if you want to drive up stress in people, throw them in an uncertain and ambiguous environment and have fun. Because we do not like that. Human beings generally dislike, and some may even say despise, uncertainty and ambiguity, which is what, once again, makes leading in these times particularly challenging because we're encountering challenges, opportunities, changes just haven't seen before. I totally concur. And given that VUCA situation, the VUCA world, um, you talk about authentic leadership in the book, and I'm, I'm connecting the dots on those. I, I think authentic leadership is more important than ever. I think there's not enough of it. So can you tell us more about that, that connection and need for authentic leadership? Well, and uh, I'm thrilled that that's a, that's, you know, a chapter and a concept idea that resonates with you, because I also have to say that was in, in many ways a very personal chapter for me as well and something that I really wanted. It was purposeful that I closed there. And I love, let's go back to Alan. I love Alan's definition of authentic leadership. He said, authentic leadership is when our values, our beliefs, and our behaviors are in alignment. That is rock star. And then follows that with the only thing people see are your behaviors. And then they come up with ideas about your values and your beliefs based on what they observe. And so that's so incredibly powerful in terms of saying, okay, so what are my values? What are my beliefs? And how do I demonstrate them in my personal and professional lives? And you so rightly pointed out, Laura, that in this VUCA world, and let's go back to the uncertainty and ambiguity, there are so many benefits of authentic leadership. As you know, the science is really provocative around that. To me, one of the real clear-cut advantages is that when we're authentic, when our values, beliefs, and behaviors are aligned, what does that mean? Consistency. We are consistent across situations, across people. And so now what does that mean? In an environment of uncertainty and ambiguity, I provide consistency, which is what people are valuing most. So now they're going to be naturally gravitated to me. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to agree with everything that I say. They may disagree. Yet recognizing how I'm going to show up is incredibly valuable information. And as human beings, we want to align more with consistency than less. And so that to me, above and beyond all the amazing uh, pieces of research that's been done around this, how it drives 
engagement, on-the-job performance, innovation, uh, on and on, and, and impacts most positively the most disengaged. That one that I started with, I think, is the absolute at the pinnacle, especially in these times. Absolutely. And I think talk is easy. It's easy to state, here's our corporate values, right? And But I think the more difficult part is putting them into action, even under stress. And what I've seen through this whole COVID debacle and in our world, and I, I just think that it's put a lot of people to the test and you know, great things have come out and then real challenges have come out with, you know, those leaders who lead with ego um, and have continued to do so. It's really created environments where toxicity thrives and people don't want to stay. For sure. And and talk is cheap, as they say. So it's very easy to have aspirational goals. And, and I'm sure and I know you have these conversations as well. Right. Where within organizations, people will talk a good game and then they'll say, "Okay, show up to one of our meetings and let's look at the core values that we have listed on the wall around our boardroom table or or in our team meeting. And then people are routinely not honoring this through their behaviors. So now this creates disengagement. This creates mistrust. And to your point, What's critical is, is that we want to continue to honor those core values. That's what we stand for. And so to ensure that maximum alignment exists is incredibly important. Absolutely. And I think the only, I think a lot of people have good intentions and, but the outcome isn't good because there's a gap between their intention and the impact that their behavior has. And you have a chapter on that, on accepting feedback well. And I think that is a huge missing gap is there aren't enough ongoing feedback loops where leaders and people in general are getting good quality feedback, learning it, learning from it, growing from it, and being open to giving more feedback because you know it'll land well. Do you agree with that? And what more do you have to say on on your feedback chapter? I agree 110%. And and for me, it was purposeful to have the chapter about receiving feedback rather than giving it. And that ends up being, this is going to be an unscientific estimate, the vast majority, let's say 90%, I'll throw a number out there. uh, And the data purists out there, I can't believe he did that. Uh, (laughs) You know, that's the focus is on how do we deliver feedback? And if we do it the right way and follow all those best practices, well, there's phenomenal research that shows that the most successful, 81% of the most successful leaders thrive in giving and receiving feedback. It's an underdeveloped skill. We're not used to receiving feedback as leaders. We're unsure of you know what to do with it, or we tend to react. And I had the extraordinary privilege of speaking with Doug Stone. So he's the best-selling author of Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most, one of the best books ever on navigating conflict. And he was sharing with me uh, during one of our conversations that, well, when we get feedback, a natural reaction is to look for what's wrong with it. And then if we find one thing wrong, we throw the whole thing out. And what I loved about the conversation we had, he said, rather than asking what's wrong with the feedback, we should ask what's right with it. And that was just an absolute mic drop question for me and going, wow, How does that shift our mindset, right? Our frame of reference on this. 
And another one that I thought was fantastic, and there's research around this as well, a lot of times if there's a disagreeable person or someone we struggle to get along with, we tend to dismiss their feedback because we're having challenges connecting with them. Well, in fact, they're likely the best and most accurate feedback source for us because they, they don't like us either. So they're going to be more inclined rather than to softball that feedback. Oh, yeah, well, you know what? You're not particularly approachable or you tend to ramble off in different directions. And so there's more, not less value in their observations. I love that. And I think the, the toughest uh, feedback and challenging times are where we grow. Um, but are also the most difficult to go through at the time. Well, for sure. And I think you're, and, and to build on that great insight is that the more uncomfortable the feedback is, this is my mantra, the longer I want to sit with it, which is counterintuitive and also uh, almost counter practice. Generally, when we're uncomfortable, we go, ah, just, you know, I, I'm going to avoid it, minimize it, dismiss it, just get rid of it more quickly. And it's a similar idea to what I talk about in terms of mastering our emotions. When we feel that our emotional reaction is really disconnected from the situation, like we recognize we're off base in terms of our emotional reaction. Now we want to be more curious, not less curious. We want to be more open rather than more judgmental. So we can learn from it what's actually happening here. So now armed with this insight, we can shift our behavior to have a more calibrated response in the future. Mm -hmm. Yes, completely agreed. So um, another question I have is you wrote a book before this book. So tell us about how that book dovetails with this one. Yes, well, my first book was Do Good to Lead Well, The Science and Practice of Positive Leadership. And it's kind of funny because in some ways, uh, this, my latest book, is around great self-leadership. And if I were to put those two Venn diagrams together, the first book is mostly about leading others. And so uh, that was really my, my focus, my frame of reference for that book. And once again, what I wanted to do was identify six pillars of positive leadership that are evidence-based and then discuss, well, how do we translate those pillars into practice through evidence-based best practice? And so self-awareness was touched on in that book, as well as f focusing on the positive meaning and purpose, empathy, civility, and humility. You talked about ego and how that impacts our ability to lead other people. And so those two books, I see them very much as companion pieces. There's a small overlapping uh, uh, area in the middle, and then there are Venn diagrams in a related area, one on leading others, one on leading self. Wonderful. Well, what a contribution. And I can tell that you are an avid learner and reader yourself. Am I right? Yeah, my bookshelf, if I turned my camera, I, I would do that. And then I, I'm sure there'd be, you know, go Murphy's Law would kick in. I love reading books uh, and the latest research and just really understanding the latest thinking. Because in a lot of ways, there are assumptions that we have. Like one of my favorites lately, and um, so I, I, I interviewed Daryl Van Tongeren, uh, professor out of Hope College. His latest book is called Humble. 
And he talks about how we have mistaken assumptions that we continue to employ, even though they're potentially to our detriment. And one of the examples he gives in the book, and we talked about on the podcast, was, you know, 10 and 2 for the steering wheel. Well, that was fine back in the day. Well, now with airbags, it's essential to be 9 and 3, because otherwise you blow your <laughs> your hands into your face. So all of those elements, that's why I love reading so much, because you get exposed to different ideas, and so you can learn from them, and it helps refine your own thoughts around any particular topics that you're passionate about. Completely. So what, given that, what is one or two books and podcasts that you recommend? Wow. Okay. So I'm going to cheat. I have to cheat. Uh, so I referenced uh, Marshall Goldsmith. So his latest New York Times bestseller is The Earned Life. So that's a culmination of all the amazing ideas. Uh, Alan is a contributor to that book as well. So it's an absolute rock star. I would say Think Again by Adam Grant uh, is just absolutely amazing. And again, challenging us to rethink our assumptions and to challenge the way that we think. Uh, I would also say one book that I'm really digging into now is The Good Life by Har Robert Waldinger. So that's based on the Harvard Longitudinal Study of Happiness over 80 years, like absolutely incredible research. And one I'll add, and so thank you for indulging me on this, because it's out of the, the main purview, and that is The Power of a Positive No by William Urey. He wrote Getting to Yes, which most people know about, and Getting Past No. To me, and this was the third book in the trilogy, this is such an impactful book because most people are terrible at saying no. And so through all of his research and consulting, he lays out a beautiful roadmap for how to do that effectively, where we honor not only our own needs, also the needs of the other person. So that's the hidden gem, I would say, that's, uh, that people uh, that love when I, when I tell them about it. And podcast, I would say work life by Adam Grant uh, is phenomenal and, and sponsored through TED. Um, Chester Elton and Adrian Gostick have a great podcast called Anxiety at Work, which is particularly relevant uh, in the times that we lead. And John Rennie has a great podcast called Deep Leadership. So I love to throw in one that people may not be as familiar with. And so he's really done an amazing job of just compiling so many great episodes with leaders and CEOs. And so that's one that I would encourage you to check out. Brilliant, brilliant. So many good recommendations. Um, and I agree with some of them, some of them I'm a fan of as well. So two more final questions I ask all guests. If you didn't need to sleep and could have that time back to do whatever else you wanted, what would it be? Travel and read more and play basketball. <laughs> okay, three, you're always squeezing more things in there. <laughs> Rule breaker, no. Um, <laughs> if you had one wish for a better world, what would it be? That we lead with more curiosity for ourselves and for the people around us. I think that we often, we rush to judgment so quickly and we miss so many opportunities to learn things about ourselves and the people we care about most and the people that we meet. So I would love it if the world adopted a mantra of lead with curiosity and empathy for ourselves and for the uh, the people around us. Beautifully put. Well, thank you so much. I, I feel like this conversation could have gone on a lot longer, 
but I'm hoping that um, th- the viewers and listeners uh, get a good sense of, of your book, A Time to Lead, as well as the topics that we discuss that they can apply to their own lives, work lives, and organizations. So thank you, Craig. Well, thank you, Laura. This was a blast. I knew it would be and really appreciate uh, your passion for for spreading messages and initiating conversations like this. And uh, it's such an important topic these days in particular. And it was my pleasure to uh, speak with you today. And uh, thank you so, so much for an engaging discussion. You are very welcome and travel safely today. Um, I know there's snow in your area and in different areas across our country. Um, And I, I wish you all the very best, Craig. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Where Work Meets Life. If you enjoyed this content, please rate and review the podcast as that helps me get it out to more people. Visit my website at drlaura.live and sign up for my monthly e-newsletter full of tips and resources. Please engage with us on social media and check out the podcast summary for links to my psychology practices, Canada Career Counseling, Calgary Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology. Stay well.